This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? It's Thursday, May 19th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco. We have another loaded show for you today as we're going to talk some Syracuse football as Cuse Nation's Stephen Bailey is going to join me to discuss what went down at spring practice for the Orange, what the future holds for head coach Dino Babers, how this offense is going to look under new offensive coordinator Robert Anai, and so much more. So who knows? Syracuse within the ACC, they've struggled the past couple of years, but there was a great season just a few years ago. Perhaps Syracuse could eventually get back to that type of double-digit win season under Babers. Otherwise, it could be, this could be it, folks. This really could be it for Babers. 2022 might be the make or break year moniker for the Syracuse head coach. So here's my conversation with Cuse Nation's Stephen Bailey. Pleased to be joined now on the College Football Daily by Stephen Bailey of Cuse Nation, our Syracuse 24-7 site. Stephen, thanks for joining me, man. And I have to start out first, of course, with what Syracuse football is doing now as we head into the summer. I need your biggest takeaways from spring ball over the past month or so. Sure. I would say, you know, my biggest takeaways are this is one of the most talented teams under Dino Babers in terms of the top individual players, right? Like Sean Tucker, an All-American running back. They, they haven't had <laughs> they've had those a long time ago, but but not anytime recently. But this is a team with a couple of serious weaknesses that could prevent the team from really making use of those great players of Sean Tucker and Mikel Jones and Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams, and Matthew Bergeron, their left tackle is I think pretty overlooked on a conference level, but the passing game last year and the lack of a returning defensive line this year could really hamper, you know, I think the, the, the team success, which would, would be tough considering the development that the staff has done to get some of those all ACC type guys up and running. So it's interesting you mentioned how the offense needs to take some strides, but of course they have Sean Tucker back, which is fine. Quarterback is a bigger question mark, uh, but I want to start with new offensive coordinator Robert Anai. Now, this is a this to me was a key hire for Dino Babers and mm-hmm. company. But we know there's there might be pressure on Babers, and we'll we'll dive into that as well. But I need your biggest. Uh, what's the biggest takeaway and impact of what Robert and I could bring to this offense? Does he put this offense over the top or at least in the right direction for 2022? He's definitely put some optimism back into the locker room. You know, there were, there were some quotes toward the end of last season that made it not too surprising that Sterling Gilbert wasn't brought back. Um, I think the guys in the passing game felt restricted, you know, not, not enough playmaking opportunities. And and look, when you allow as many pressures as they have the last three years, that's going to dig into your opportunities. Garrett Schrader's not historically an accurate quarterback and once Taj Harris transferred out midseason last year, it's not like there was a guy who'd really done it at a high level in the room. So I think there was kind of blame to go around, and it was the right time to bring in a new face, to try and make a pivot from the veer and shoot that Dino Babers learned at Baylor, but every defensive coordinator has adjusted to and you know loaded up their secondaries and figured out the splits and you know figured out how to play the rub routes and kind of 
taking away the schematic advantage that a team like Syracuse kind of needs because they're not really going to outspeed and outstrength the top end of the ACC with the way they recruit. So yeah, the, the players are absolutely excited about the pro-style offense. The quarterbacks are saying how they have these opportunities. It can be free-flowing. They're going to have a passing game to complement the great running game they have. We're going to need to wait and see, but but they've got a chance. And I think for the way the last few years have gone in the Babers era, that's that's what he needed. You know, he needed to make a change. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if what's going to be a pretty similar personnel group and maybe the offensive line can stay a little healthier, can can actually make strides and force teams, you know, to think twice about loading the box. So you mentioned Schrader, and again, we, we could dive into Sean Tucker as well and what he brings to the offense, but Schrader is that different animal where it's or he's playing the most important position, he's the quarterback. You mentioned before how he's not traditionally the most accurate passer, but in this new offense under Anai, I mean, do you, do you see some improvement in Garrett Schrader knowing that it's it's his job, it's his, his job alone, Mostly, as far as we know, can he make that next step, take an, or take another step, I should say, into that development to making this offense more productive in 2022? So personally, I have not gotten to see enough of Garrett Schrader to be able to say like, yeah, like he's really looks better. He didn't play in the spring game, which was the only team period that was open to the public. I had a mild hamstring injury. He's, he's perfectly fine, but I didn't really get to see him. So you're kind of looking at routes on air and like one-on-ones in practice, like not really great indicators. I will say his Top competition, Justin Lampson, a redshirt freshman, just went underwent surgery for a knee injury. We don't have all of the details, but he's it's it's been described as him being sidelined indefinitely. So it's looking more and more like Schrader is really going to be the guy. Uh, I will. I mean, his teammates all say he's doing better. You know, the coaches say nice things about him. Anaya said he loves his confidence and his playmaking ability, which is fully established. Like if you go watch his highlights from last year, I mean, it's it's there. The guy is exceptional outside the pocket great decision maker great compliment like the option game to sean tucker but whether or not he can put the ball in the money and and a guy who's kind of been risk averse if you look at his stats he's kind of been someone not to put the ball in jeopardy you wonder kind of if he if he plays a little bit more aggressive as a passer whether you'll get that efficiency and whether you might get some bigger mistakes that kind of could come with it. So we mentioned how that's going to be a big question mark for Syracuse this year in terms mm-hmm. of whether if Schrader could take the next step or not, but there is no question mark at running back, and I'll just keep it simple here. Does Sean Tucker have to carry this orange offense in 2022? I mean, he can't do it alone. Like, he, he can't. I don't really know what more you could ask from a guy like that. He's he, he's running the ball fairly effectively against teams that know Syracuse is going to be running the ball. Behind a, a pretty good run-blocking offensive line, I, I think they're a little uh, undervalued in that sense. They they're, have not been a good pass-protecting offensive line, but they've got some, some people who can move bodies up front. I just – I don't know how much better it can go last year than last year against this schedule where you open up against Louisville and you have the three-game stretch at the start of the second half of the season of Clemson, Notre Dame, NC State, they've got to be able to pass the ball. There are not a lot of wins you're writing into that schedule. So, I mean, he's clearly the best player on the offense and they're going to ride him whenever possible. But without an improved passing game, I just, I don't know how anyone could do it. Before we step over to the defensive side of things, we'll step aside and take a quick break. Keep it locked here. You're listening to the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. So, Stephen, when we switch over to the defensive side of things, the defensive backs for Syracuse this year, highlighted by transfers coming in, Braylon Oliver from Louisville, Elijah Clark over from Rutgers, so not too far away as well. How have those two guys looked? Because I, I would say they're probably, what, they're, they're plug-and-play guys for 2022 and expect to make an instant impact, whether it's going to be good or bad on the field, but how have they looked? Yeah, I'm not sure both will start, but but guys who you do expect to contribute right away, especially Elijah Clark. I mean, he contributed right away at Rutgers, missed, I don't know, like the last month of the year with an injury, and he was still rehabbing that injury this spring. So he was limited. We didn't really get to see a ton of him. I think I think he's a huge boost to the, uh, to the safety group. You know, Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut are coming back as corners with all ACC reputations, guys you can trust out there. Um, I think Elijah could give you a the best cover skills that the defensive coordinator Tony White has had out of the field safety spot, frequently lining up against slot receivers. You know, he's he's tight with Deuce. They're both both from Camden, New Jersey. I, I think he, you know, I mean, if he's fully healthy, certainly, and, and it seems that he will be by the fall, I think he could really make an impact. And then uh, Oliver is long, rangy. I think he fits the rover position well as kind of the last line of defense, you know, in the 3-3-5. He was learning this spring, <laughs> so, you know, you could just kind of see he might take a wrong step, you know, or, or be a little off. So I, I I, wasn't like, wow, this guy is, is really, really impressive. But also, he's not playing instinctively in a defense that, like, kind of relies on that. Like, that's why he's such a good fit there. I think he's someone who could really be in the mix for a spot on the two deep when he comes back for the fall and is, and is a little more comfortable. Now that we've mentioned both sides of the ball for Syracuse, I think we have to address the biggest elephant in the room, which is head coach Dino Babers. He's 29 and 43 in his career as a coach. 10 and 3, go back to 2018. Great year for Syracuse, but since then, there's been no postseason for Syracuse either before or after that season. At this point, going into 2022, what would you say is his leash, considering over the last two years, there's been more disappointment rather than success for the Orange? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, th- I think I'm. A bad year this year, like a three and nine year, he's probably not coming back for 2023. If you make a bowl, he, he probably is. And then you've kind of got some wiggle room either way. Like is a five and seven team that had a brutal schedule and, you know, had a couple of all ACC type guys and Robert and I's offense look good. Like, do you keep it rolling for another year? Maybe like it's not an easy place to win, you know, or do, do you try and move on? So I think... Athletic director John Wildhack made it clear at the end of last year that that better results are expected. You know, where he decides to draw that line is is kind of the question. Um, I mean, I think if they go bowling against this schedule with this team with, you know, problems they had to deal with, you know, I would be surprised if he wasn't back. To me, the question is, you know, a five-win season or, I don't know, you know, football seasons are weird. You can have a good four-win team, you can a bad six-win team, but, you know, there's there's some wiggle room there, I think, for debate. But, I mean, he's he's got to perform this year, and I think the way he approached the offseason, especially from a coaching higher standpoint, 
address that. He brought in a new special teams coordinator as well in Bob Ligashevsky. Special teams was a huge plus for the Orange you know, early and, and midway through the Babers tenure and, and has not been the last couple of years. And last year was was really bad. The punting game, you know, you can't you can't not be able to throw the ball and not be able to punt the ball and expect to to beat teams in a dome. So yeah, I, I think there's urgency there and it showed. What would you say is the biggest problem, the biggest issue with Babers' tenure with Syracuse? Again, th- th- it almost seems like that 10-win season is now the outlier because, again, that's the only year he's made the postseason during his head coaching tenure with Syracuse. In your mind, what is the what, what is going on? What's the biggest issue, or at least the one that could be fixed, that could fix the most problems if it's rectified? Yeah, I think fixable problem is what you got to go with. Syracuse is going to struggle to recruit against the bigger and better teams, the teams with more money, the teams with a natural recruiting base, you know, and Dino has certainly mentioned wanting more resources and throughout, throughout all that. So setting that aside, the big thing that, that made that 2018 team so good is no one on the offensive line got hurt. They had six like juniors or seniors or really, you know, um, or established linemen, including two really good tackles and they stayed healthy the whole year. And they had, you know, two quarterbacks that were capable of playing and Eric Dungey and Tommy DeVito. And, you know, they never had to turn to a guy who they didn't really trust out there to run most of the offense. Syracuse hasn't been able to say that about any other season since 2013. Since Ryan Nassib was the quarterback, they've had to use two guys for meaningful snaps every year. You know, I think back to a couple years ago, Chris Elmore, their fullback, had to play guard the COVID year. It's like, how can you win like that? So depth on, depth on the offensive line and, and health at the quarterback position slash offensive line are what I'd point to. But again, you know, he came in and tried to run a hurry-up offense against largely bigger and stronger players or you certainly have some games where they're clearly physically outmatched and like from a depth management standpoint it didn't it didn't work so uh, to his credit he has pivoted he went out and got schrader he got dan valari uh, the michigan quarterback transfer this cycle I, I really think they could use another offensive lineman this year but the young guys in the room there's plenty of them so it's like he's trying to address this problem but it needs a few years to really work you go out and oh we'll take a couple extra linemen this year well offensive linemen that come to Syracuse rarely excel their first year or two they need time so I would say that's the biggest controllable thing seems like a rock in a hard place situation at it the is. moment so Stephen Bailey of Cuse Nation joining me on the college football daily one more for you and it might be a bit of a loaded question and you <laughs> you kind of answered a little bit at least in terms of the outlook but I was curious about your take on the outlook of this program over the next five years now this could be very dependent upon what happens with Dino Babers if they if they struggle this year he can be gone all of a sudden you have a new head coach and then the five-year outlook looks like all right it's a new five-year plan for a new head coach but if Babers is still here maybe he can last another five years if not maybe only two or three depending upon what goes on so again loaded question but what is your ultimate outlook for this program as it stands right now over the next five years yeah I mean it's hard to really guess what you bring a new coach in and is an offensive guy defensive guy local roots you know it's kind of hard to anticipate how that would go you know I think the path toward Dino Babers getting five years here starts with a bowl game this year and I think you know if you're kind of looking at looking at it with rose-colored glasses, you can see how there would be steps forward. You know, if Robert and I's offense works, Tony White is a fantastic coach. What he's done on the defensive side of the ball the last two years has, I think, been largely overlooked. I mean, you talk about the way that that the veer and shoot 
and the spread at Baylor worked when Dino Babers was there. I mean, Tony White's kind of got a version of that with the 3-3-5 defense at, at Syracuse. The movement, the interchangeability of the linebackers, the, the deception in terms of coverage, the ability for kind of anyone to come and go, and you know the ability to say, hey, we don't have a ton of big guys. We can kind of still hold up based on our angles and based on our timing and our anticipation. Like, I think the 3-3-5 is a great fit for Syracuse, and Tony White's done well. Um they need the offense to be better to to get those five years for for Dino Babers. And if Robert and I is the answer and he's able to do it and they ditch <laughs> they ditch the Atlantic and coastal divisions and Syracuse doesn't have to play Clemson and Florida State every year. All right, maybe you can schedule a couple of softer games and you can get to six wins, six, six seven wins. So, I mean, that's that's like the dream scenario kind of for Syracuse, but you know, I really need to see it to believe it with the passing game. You, you look at the pass protection numbers the last three years, they're awful. 2019 and 2020 combined, Syracuse had the most sacks in the country, I believe, and the pressure rate last year was still pretty rough. And the, and the passing game productivity-wise suffered mightily because of that. So that's the key to getting to, to opening the door and, you know, letting Robert and I install all his stuff and, and start recruiting for it and, uh, you know, maybe trying to build again because right now it, it feels like they're trying to stop the slide. And, it, you know, if you want to get a five-year leash, you really not only need to show that, all right, you've 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 stopped <laughs> bleeding games but there's reason to believe that, like, you can put up a 10-win year if everything goes right. And, uh, you know, those are kind of the pe- the interchanging pieces that I think could potentially come together. He is Stephen Bailey of Q's Nation, our Syracuse 24-7 site. does a fantastic job covering the program inside and out. Stephen, where can everybody find you on social media? Sure, I'm pretty much just on Twitter, but it's Stephen with a PH underscore Bailey1. Awesome. So be sure to give him a follow for all your Syracuse football and recruiting needs. Steven, appreciate you joining me, man. Let's see what happens with the ACC and Syracuse this year. Maybe Dino Babers uh, recaptures a little bit of 2018 magic in 2022. Yeah, thanks so much, Nick. Great conversation with Steven Bailey. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. And of course, give me a follow on Twitter at Nick Costco 59 N-I-C-K-K-O-S-K-O-5-9 on Twitter. Be sure to follow 24-7 Sports on Twitter as well. Please like, subscribe, and download all of our podcasts of the college football daily on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see what syracuse can do in 2022 i'm very fascinated let's see if they can turn things around within a tough acc or basically a rising acc heading into next football season that's gonna do it for me be sure to tune in next time for more of the college football daily wherever you get your podcasts see you next time You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.